today. Lord willing, next week, Brother Humphrey will be able and ready to teach you all again. But um, for my Sunday school class, we're going to continue in our studies. And those of you who last week, uh, I taught in here again, or last week, and we started on this subject of obedience, obedience to the Lord. And we're going to continue that today. And there's some some things I want to um, to draw out and. And we may not get all the way through this, this lesson. There are definitely some things I want to point out and teach about obedience today that I think will be a, a challenge to you and, and a help in our spiritual life. Before we do that, though, uh, let's start with the books of the Bible. All right, ready? Genesis. Matthew, Mark, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, First and Second Thessalonians, Philemon, First and Second Peter, Jude, Revelation. All right, very good, very good. It wasn't very loud. I could tell there was a lot of hesitancy going on there. Very intim- you were very intimidated, I could tell. You should not be intimidated by uh, the books of the Bible. And as a, as a believer in Christ, you need to know the Word of God. And you need to know where things are at. It helps on a very base level. It helps just knowing the books of the Bible in order. And I'm proud of my class. You guys have done well. I, could, I was watching you specifically in my class. And uh, all of you did so much better than everybody else. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. And some of you didn't try again. Uh, I watched you, Jock. Yep, two weeks in a row. Uh-huh. And so there's a challenge for you, okay? Uh, start learning the books of the Bible. All right, last time, and we'll do this again too. We may want to not take as much time, but did you have anything list last week in your Bible reading uh, that was a blessing, that was a challenge that you would like to share uh, with the class, and we do this every week in our class, uh, just to encourage each other in our Bible reading and our week, uh, what the Lord's been doing in our life. I think that's a good practice. Uh, by the way, anything anybody like to share? Yes, sir. Uh, we don't know how much time we're going to have for one, and that the uh, time is now to uh, to testify. That's right. And Jesus said the day's coming when no man can work, and we must be about our Father's business. Amen. That's really good. There's something specific this week that just challenged you that way and motivated you? Uh, you know, last week uh, it was brought to me to um, spend time with people because we don't know how much time we're going to have with them. And then in my studies this week, Amen. Amen. And that falls right in line with our lesson on obedience. Uh, the Lord's commanded us in that way. We need to be obedient to the Lord. Amen. Good. That's really good. Anybody else? 
All right. Okay. Good to have Patrick and Melissa back. Yay. Yeah, good to see you. Saw you on Facebook a lot. Looked like you were having a good time. We'll talk later if you really did or not, but no, it's good to have you guys back. All right, so let's go, let's go to our lesson. If, you're, uh, if you have the lesson sheet or the lesson book, you can open it up uh, to page 99, and that's where we're going to be. Uh, just a refresher of what we talked about last time. Uh, we started talking about uh, the matter of obedience, and we talked, first of all, about God's attitude regarding obedience. And uh, the, the issue is that uh, God is supreme. God is, uh, he is God. He's almighty. And uh, his commands are not to be trifled with. His commands are not to be ignored. Uh, God considers uh, disobedience as rebellion and rebellion as the sin of witchcraft. And, and God has a lot to say uh, about obedience and the necessity of it. And, and we talked some about the fact that God uh, considers obedience more uh, than, than sacrifice. God, God is more concerned about our obedience to Him than the things that we do in His name or for Him. He would rather that we have a heart of obedience. And obedience is not something that's half-hearted either uh, with the Lord. Partial obedience is not true obedience. And we looked at the example of of. of King Saul, how he said, oh, I did obey the Lord. I did do this. I did do that. And, and in reality, he wasn't obedient to God at all in, in the fact that he was only partial in the things that he did. And so we, we looked at God's attitude concerning obedience, which then we had to look at God's attitude concerning disobedience and the, the fact that it's a serious thing with God. And then we looked at the source of obedience. Are we robots? Are we just, you know, programmed and we just do because that's how we're programmed to do? The source of obedience to the Lord ought to be love for Him. And Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And Jesus also said, my commandments are not grievous to the person who loves me. And so the source of obedience ought to be love for the Lord. And we love Him certainly because He first loved us. And what the Lord has done for us in salvation, uh, may it never be lost. May we never lose wonder over what the Lord has done for us in salvation. And may that cause our love for Him to increase and grow. And then because we love Him, we want to please Him. We want to serve Him. And so we, we talked about all those things. We talked about some blessings that are related uh, to those uh, who are obedient to the Lord, that we abide in Him and we have His hand of blessing on our life. Um, and, and we talked about what God considers a person who, who is obedient to Him. God considers him a wise man. Uh, and the one who is disobedient, God considers to be a fool, a foolish man. And so those are all the things that we discussed last week. Today, we're going to look at the attitude... In obedience and then we're going to look if we have some time at areas of God directed obedience and so we, we cover this this issue of obedience and we need to understand that it's not just some words on a page it's not just some some thoughts it, like it has a reason it has a purpose 
And how does that apply then in our life? And so we'll talk about the attitude regarding obedience and then the areas that where this principle can apply in our daily life and how it applies in the Christian life. Now, first of all, uh, it's against our human sinful nature to be subject. It's against our human sinful nature to obey. Uh, we, as in our flesh, want to be God in our life. That's what our flesh desires and wants to be in control. Obedience, uh, obedience comes in our life through training, uh, through teaching, um, and and then uh, which really actually begins at birth. Parents. Uh, we're going to talk about some of this today, not in our Sunday school lesson specifically, but in other areas. Uh, the great responsibility it is to start to train and to teach uh, our children to obey because being subject or being uh, in compliance and submitting ourselves uh, to human authorities, especially as children, trains our hearts and our minds when it comes to submitting to God. And, and so there's, there's, a, there's a real connection there. Even for saved people. And in order to be saved, the Bible says you need to obey the gospel. You need to submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, but even saved people sometimes can find it difficult to obey. To obey God. When, uh, when even, even in, in Christian homes, if children aren't taught to submit to authority uh, in their life, they're, we're going to find it hard to submit to God, who's our ultimate authority. And so the point is, is that um, there's, there is a right attitude when it comes to obedience. And attitude is all important in this regard. And so let's look at what the Bible says regarding uh, how the attitude ought to be when it comes to obedience to the Lord. I want you to turn over to Psalm 40. Caleb, I would like for you to read Psalm 40 and verse 8, please. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. All right, the psalmist here says, David says, I delight to do thy will, and the law of God is within my heart. Obedience here is what is is at stake or what is being talked about. He says, I delight to do thy will. Um, if there is no delight to obey the Lord or to do the will of God, then there's no love for God. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And my commandments are not what? Grievous. You see the difference? If a commandment of God is grievous, there's no delight to do the will of God. Right? If there's no delight to obey the Lord, then there's no love for God. It ought to be in the heart of a Christian that my strongest desire, even though I am not perfect at this, my strongest desire is to please God and to obey God. That ought to be the heart of a true, it will be the heart of a true Christian. At the end of the day, at the bottom line, I want to please God. 
I want to be in, obedient, in obedience to Him, even though my sinful flesh sometimes comes in the way and I'm not perfect at this. It grieves my soul at the end of the day, the times when I don't obey the Lord. David said, I delight to do thy will. That's an attitude. I want to. If there's no delight and desire, there's no love for the Lord. Let's look at another passage of Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 26. All the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 26. And we'll look at verse 16. Mike, can you read Deuteronomy 26 and verse 16? All right, so in, in this passage, we find an attitude uh, of obedience to the Lord is that our obedience to keep the statutes of the Lord, to keep the judgments of the Lord, it should be with all thine heart and with all thine soul. That's our whole being. That's all of us. Uh, that's our entire being. Let's, let's look over at Joshua chapter 1. And Patrick, you can read Joshua 1 and verse 7. It's the next book over. This is why you memorize the books of the Bible, right? Joshua 1.7 Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest preserve to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper with it, whithersoever thou goest. Alright, so God's words... To Joshua was be strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. And then he says, don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left. And when you're obedient to the Lord, you're going to prosper whithersoever you go. One of the things that was required of Joshua here, though, to be obedient to the Lord was that he be strong and very courageous. You know what? Sometimes God wants us to do things that, that, and tells us to do things, and we, we're studying this in the life of Gideon. Something that causes a little bit of fear inside because we understand the ramifications of it. But our responsibility is to trust in the Lord and to obey the Lord that He is going to accomplish His will. But it takes some courage to be obedient to the Lord when God is leading in a way that we are, aren't necessarily so certain of or how it's going to turn out. You know how the flesh is. We want to control it all. We want all the details. We want to just control everything so that we can feel safe about doing this. But God requires faith sometimes, and it takes some courage to say, okay, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm trusting the Lord. God said to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Be very courageous. Let's look over in Psalm 119. These are attitudes regarding obedience that sometimes we miss out on or sometimes we fail to think of or understand when it comes to obeying the Lord. Psalm 119 and verse 60. The Bible says, 
here in Psalm 119.60, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Here's another attitude regarding obedience to the Lord, that it needs to be in haste. Uh, you see this? I, I'm, uh, he says, I made haste and delayed not in keeping thy commandments. And when, we, when obeying the Lord, uh, it ought not be the Lord is, is, is commanding something and will say someday. The psalmist says, I made haste and didn't delay. And we need to purpose in the heart, friend, that I'm going to obey right away when the Lord is speaking to my heart. Not someday. And we'll talk some about that later today, too. Um, I'm just seeing how, just now I'm actually seeing some connections between how the Lord has been leading in my studies uh, for the, some things we're going to talk about today. I didn't ever put this together until just now. Um, but, but this is interesting. The Lord desires obedience from His people. And it's not just robotic. Oh, i got to obey the Lord because I'm going to be in trouble. It comes from a heart of love that I want to please Him. And my attitude is I delight to do it. I want to do it and I'm going to do it now. Because God is speaking. Let's look at another passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 5. Let's turn over there. Luke chapter 5. I'm moving a little faster through this section because I want to get to the next section where this matter of obedience applies in our life. Uh, Luke chapter 5, and yet I don't want to skip over this either. I want us to do diligence with it. Look at verses 4 through 7. Uh, Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon... Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when he had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Now, in this situation here, the Lord performed a miracle. And when we preach this passage of Scripture, we could preach it on, on the miracle that the Lord performed. But the, what I would like to highlight out of this is that when the Lord told Simon Peter to do something, Simon Peter's attitude was reflected in the words that he said. What did he say? Nevertheless, at thy word, I will. You notice that? And <clears throat> that should reflect our attitude whenever the Lord commands or gives direction in our life that seems maybe to contradict our own judgment. You know, like I don't, I don't know if that is right. I, I don't necessarily... Um, no, if this is, this is going to be the right way, nevertheless, at thy word, I will, because I trust you. Have you ever been in a situation like that in your life? I, don't, I, honestly don't, I honestly don't know how many Christian people have actually been in situations, not that you wouldn't be, but how many people are actually following the Lord so that you are so sensitive to the Lord that you are uh, wanting to please Him, that He gets you, that puts you in a situation where you're forced to trust Him. I know I've been there. I'm, I, I think this is what the Lord is saying. 
but I'm not 100% certain. And you know what? This is not even something I actually want to do, but I think this is what the Lord is saying, so I'm going to do it because I want to be obedient to Him. That's tough. Those are growth points in our Christian life that require faith, that require us to submit ourselves to His will. How many, how many have actually been in a situation like that where you can remember and, you know, I, the Lord was giving direction and it's not something I necessarily wanted to do, but I know the Lord was saying to do it and so I submit myself to Him. Most of the time Christian people say they're following the Lord, they're, they're, they want to be obedient to the Lord, but they're just really living life according to what pleaseth me, what I want to do. The attitude ought to be, at thy word, I will. Let's look in Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21, because there's another attitude related to obedience. And sometimes people have really good intentions. But then, and they say that this is what they want to do. But then when it comes right down to it, they don't actually follow through and obey the Lord. Even though they have good intentions, even though they've been saying they will, but when it comes right down to it, they don't actually obey the Lord. And so the question is, are good intentions sufficient enough for obedience? And the answer is no, they're not. And let's look at a little uh, parable that Jesus gives in Matthew 21, in verse 28. Jesus said, But what think ye? A certain man had two sons... And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Now, in this context, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders, the elite of the day, and they were challenging Jesus' authority in this passage, in this context. And so Jesus gives them this parable of the two sons. And the reason that Jesus gave this parable of the two sons, one said, no, I'm not going to obey you. But then later he repented and he went and did the will of his father. The other one said, oh yeah, I'll do your will, sir. But then he didn't. Had some good intentions, maybe, but then he didn't. And the reason Jesus gave that parable in the context was it was meant to highlight the hypocrisy of these religious leaders since they said they loved God. They said they were followers of the law, but in reality, they didn't actually keep and obey his word. And so it was just a bunch of talk. And even they might have good intentions. Oh, we, we got to be obedient to God, but they didn't actually follow through. And I wonder how many Christian people are like that. They have good intentions. I want to obey the Lord, but when it comes right down to it, ultimately they end up doing really what they want to do, rather than submitting themselves to the will of God for their life. Well, the attitude in obedience is more than just good intentions. 
the attitude in obedience is more than just, I have to obey God because he's God or I'll be in trouble. No, it's, I delight to do thy will. I want to please the Lord because I love him. And I'm not going to delay. When God speaks, I want to obey right away. And even if it's not uh, in my own understanding, nevertheless, at thy word, I will, because I trust him. See the, the heart attitude when it comes to obedience. So God has a lot to say about obedience, and we see that in the scriptures, but how does that apply then in our life? There are areas of God-directed obedience and submission. And every Christian needs to recognize uh, what God, or what has been termed as God's chain of command. And the reason for that is because God works through authority. God works His will through different authorities in our life, and we need to be in submission to and obedient to those authorities in order to be pleasing to the Lord and ultimately fulfill God's will. And not every action required of us is specifically commanded in the Bible. Not every action is, thus saith the Lord, and so this is what we have to do. There's a lot of areas of life where principle is involved. There's a lot of areas of life where we just need to submit ourselves to the authority in our life so that we can be in accordance with God's will and His plan. And so God places others in authority over us in various aspects of life. And God uses them to accomplish His perfect will in our lives too. And we're to submit to these delegated authorities as unto the Lord. And that's what the Bible teaches us, as unto the Lord. An example of that chain of command is found in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want you to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 3. Daniel, I want you to read 1 Corinthians eleven three 3 for us, please. Okay, I would have you to know that the head or the authority of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. Now that's interesting in this regard because, uh, in, and we'll, just for con- contextual purposes, what Paul's talking about is, is, is human relationships and even the marriage relationship uh, to some degree in chapter 11, and he says here that, that he gives the chain of command. There's God the Father, who's at, ultimately at the top. Then there was Jesus Christ to his Father. Then there's the man that God created, and then there's the woman that God created as well. And that is not talking about degrees of importance. It's not talking about equality in that context, but it is talking about submission uh, to our authorities and God's ordained authorities. A wife who truly loves God is not going to seek to rule over her husband, but will lovingly submit to his leadership as unto the Lord. That's what God says. And again, it has nothing to do with equality. It has nothing to do with inequality. 
Uh, the example shows us that Jesus Christ himself, who is equal with God, put himself in submission to the will of God. Because Jesus Christ is God, and yet, as the Son of God, he was in submission to God the Father. Let's, let's, let's talk about this, because it sets the example for us. The Lord Jesus Christ was an obedient Son to the will of the Father. Now, and let's look at several passages of Scripture. In John chapter 6, go there, John chapter 6. So before we start to, you know, bristle against these uh, truths of submission in our place in the chain, if you will, let's just consider Jesus Christ, who is the example, who is God, who is equal with God, and yet he was in submission to the will of his Father. All right? In John chapter 6, in verse 38, Brother Wilson, would you read that for us, please? He that believeth on me, and all scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers. John, John 6, John 6, verse 38. Verse 38. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So what are Jesus' words? I didn't come to do my own will, but I came to do the will of him that sent me, his Father's will. So he was obedient to his Father's will. We can see other examples in Luke 22. Luke chapter 22 in verse 42. Brother Reynolds, would you read that for us? Luke 22 and verse 42. All right, in context of going to the cross and paying the price for sin, he said... He said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You can see more examples of this. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26 and verse 53. Matthew 26 and verse 53. Jesus said, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me... Uh, that's not the right verse either. Am I in the right spot? Matthew 26 and verse 53. Um, yeah, it is, uh, actually. He said, Presently, give me more than twelve legions of angels. And then he says in verse 54, But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? And so Jesus, in, in submission to the will of the Father and in submission to the Word of God, in John chapter 10 and verse 18. John chapter 10 and verse 18. No man taketh it from me. He's talking about his life. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received 
of my Father. And so I'm just giving you some examples here in the life of Jesus that he was an obedient son to the will of God. And I say that uh, because I want to point out as well that he was not in any way unequal with the Father. In fact, Jesus said in, in John chapter 10 and verse 30, I and my Father are one. We're one in person. We are equal. And so he's not in any way inferior or unequal with the Father. And, and so he must be obedient like, like a, a human father and a human son. He was equal with God. And so we're not talking about inequality or equality here in this chain of command. We're talking about the issue of being in submission willingly. And let's look at a couple others because Philippians chapter 2 gives us a real clear picture of the equality that Jesus had with God and yet his attitude concerning submission to the will of God. All right, in Philippians 2, in verse 6, the Bible says, "...who being in the form of God..." That literally means um, as God, okay? He was God. "...who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God..." But made himself of no reputation and took upon himself or took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, verse 6 says that Jesus was God himself. And then he says he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That word robbery is an interesting word. The word in its base meaning means to seize. And it has a couple of meanings here. Um, Jesus Christ thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It wasn't something that he needed to steal in order to be equal with God, certainly, because he was. It was rightfully his as the Son of God. But it also means something to be grasped or to be held fast. That's what that word means. In other words, what it's saying is his rank, his power as God, wasn't something that he needed to selfishly hold on to like he was going to lose. No, he temporarily, willingly laid it aside and became obedient to the Father's will. So much so that the Bible says in verse 8 that he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Talk about submission to the Father's will. And what we're talking about here is that Jesus, even being equal with God, submitted himself to the will of God. Now go to Luke chapter 2, because it tells us about Jesus even as in childhood. In Luke chapter 2, in verse 51, And he went down, to, down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. The Bible tells us that as a child... Jesus was subject to his earthly mother and Joseph. So, the point is, 
is that Jesus set the example of equality, yet submission or obedience to God-given delegated authority in his life. See that example? Now we need to apply that because Jesus set the example and we should follow his steps. Amen? So there are some areas of delegated authority that require a Christian's obedience. And we understand what our attitude of obedience ought to be, right? And in these areas that we're going to talk about, it's interesting that God expects us to obey the authorities over us in the same way that Jesus did with his, the same attitude that we ought to obey him with. And yet what we find is that in these areas that we're going to see and talk about, that's where we see the most rebellion today, even in, amongst Christians. So what are those? Well, let's read a couple. First of all, there is uh, delegated authorities in marriage. And we see in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 22. Ephesians 5 and verse 22. The Bible says that in verse 21, we need to get context, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. So there gives the equality, first of all. But then it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And a lot of people like to take that verse and they like to twist that around and say, I'm the man, God created the woman for me, you're to be in submission to me. And they like to forget and pass over verse 21 that where it says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. We all have this. And yet God has a delegated authority in a marriage that... The man is the head of the wife, and a wife is to submit herself to her own husband as unto the Lord. This is one of those areas where we find a lot of rebellion today. Uh, there are times when there are bossy, domineering wives, and there are weak and spineless husbands. There definitely are those times. And if we're doing our job as husbands, as men, it's a lot easier for a wife, and she wants to do her job and play her role of submission. And so it's two-sided here, but it's still a command of God that a wife is to submit to her husband. Uh, in the home, it goes beyond that. Ephesians chapter 6, since we're here in Ephesians, look at Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. All right, what do we find here? That there's a chain of command, and there's areas of submission that are, are required in the home uh, for children. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? You know what that word obey means in Ephesians 6, 1? It means to heed or to conform to a command or an authority. So who's the authority then? The parents, right? Children, heed the commands of your authority. Conform to the commands of your authority in your life. That's your parents. Now let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20. 
Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Why should you obey your parents, Levi? Yeah, the Bible says, we just read that, didn't we? But even more than that, what does that verse say? Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Why should you really obey your parents? Because you want to be pleasing to the Lord. And you want to submit to God, who's the ultimate authority. And God put this chain of command in your life. And you ought to want to obey the Lord. And so therefore, you're going to obey your parents in all things. Children, that's directed right at you. It says it. Children. Right? So God's word applies to you. Well, once I turn, you know, this age, I'm not a children anymore. A child. Do you get to set that? I think that there's definitely some balance that comes in with those things, but nevertheless, the Word of God makes it very clear, this chain of authority, delegated authority, that requires a Christian's obedience. Uh, we have this in the workplace as well. Uh, adults, we're not, we're not exempt from this. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, we're, we're, we were right there. Let's go back there. Ephesians has a lot to say about submission and obedience. Chapter 6 and verse 5. It says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. How many times does it say you ought to be in submission because it's as unto the Lord, doing the will of God because you want to please God? How does that apply? Well, it applies in your workplace. Now, it's talking about servants and masters in that culture, but it certainly applies in how we operate in our life in the workplace. There's a lot of people who can't hold a job. And the reason they can't hold a job is because they have an authority problem. They don't like to be told what to do. And it's a submission problem in their heart. And they can't hold down a job because of pride and, and a lack of submission in their heart. Listen, that doesn't, that's not just towards men. That's toward God. Because it's commanded of God. You need to work a job. You need to take care of yourself. You need to take care of your family. If a man shouldn't, doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. That's a command of God. And so people who can't hold down a job and they're jumping from job to job and it's because they have an authority problem in their life and they can't submit themselves, they've got a problem with God. It's a heart problem. We can say more about that another time. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 and Ephesians 6, they really have a lot of ties, a lot of parallels together. In chapter, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22, he says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Why should you be in submission to your boss? Because you fear the Lord and you want to please the Lord. 
This is an area of delegated authority in the Christian's life. It requires obedience. You know what? It's a matter of testimony, too. <clears throat> you don't accurately represent and reflect Jesus Christ if you've got a bad attitude on the job and you can't submit yourself to authority in your life. I remember when I was working construction, the, my foreman, ugh. There are lots of times when... Man, you're just old, and you have an old way of thinking, and here's a way to do it that's so much more efficient and so much better. Let's just do it this way. And sometimes we butt heads, and I learned this lesson. And you know what? He's got that job for a reason. That's not my job. Yeah, my way is better. I'm positive it is. (laughs) But you know what? My job here is to represent Christ and to be a testimony And I had to learn, like, you know what? I can try to reason with him. I can talk to him. But at the end of the day, I still need to submit myself to him. Because he's my boss. Instead of having conflict in the workplace because I think I'm right, it's so much, even if it's harder, even if it's not as efficient, it's better because it's unto the Lord to be in submission. Say, okay, I can do that. And you know what? The Lord actually used that in my life because there was coming a point in time when I was going to serve the Lord in ministry and I was going to be a second man. And I needed to be in submission. You need to be able to be a good follower before you can be a leader. You need to be able to say, yes, sir, before you can lead others. And it's not because of anything other than I just want to be pleasing to the Lord. I can submit myself. I can say okay. And I can do that as unto the Lord. Amen? On your job, in the workplace, in the home, servants are to be obedient to their masters. That's the principle. And we don't have slaves or servants in our culture right now, but that's how it ought to apply in the work field. Now, that doesn't mean you can't talk. It doesn't mean you can't reason, right? But at the end of the day, our job is to submit as unto the Lord. You don't get away with that in the military. (laughs) You don't get away with being insubordinate to your superiors in the military. What's going to happen? Yeah, you're going to be in trouble. Well, we don't have structure necessarily like that in the regular workforce, but you'll you'll get fired and you're going to be a bad testimony and all the above. So as unto the Lord, amen? In society, as a Christian, we are to be subject and obedient. Let's look in Romans chapter 13. What time is it? Am I running out of time here? Yes, I am, and I didn't even get to the part I really wanted to get to. Romans chapter 13, in verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore that resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil." 
Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they that are God's, God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. All right, what do we read here? In Romans, uh, that every soul ought to be subject unto the higher power. It's talking about human government here. It means we're to obey the law. <laughs> we're to obey the rules and to subject ourselves and submit ourselves to obeying the law. Every citizen is to be subject to those higher powers. Why? Because they're there as ministers of God. There is no power but of God. There is no place of authority but of God. In other words, God is the one who has ordained it. And so we submit as unto the Lord. That's why we pay our taxes. Amen? As unto the Lord. That's what the, the verse is teaching. And then we also have authority in the church. And I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 13. And I really wanted to spend some time here. And I'm sad that we ran out of time. So I might actually do a lesson on this at some point here because I really want to explain this because this Hebrews 13 gives us authority in the church and it is required of God that we are in subjection to our authorities in Hebrews 13 and verse 7 remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation look down to verse 17 obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I want to spend some time on this because there definitely is uh, some misunderstanding of this passage of Scripture and some misuse of it uh, in churches and in pastors especially, and how they use it as leverage to get people to do what they want them to do. Because the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. And that verse can be taken out of context and misused and used as a club, as leverage to get people to do what they want them to do. And so I wanted to explain this uh, passage in this verse, and I want you to understand, and we'll, I don't have the time to do it all right now. Um, even though I spent considerable time on this, I didn't even get to it. Um, that word obey in verse 17 I'll just tell you this right away. It's not the same word uh, as Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's translated in English as obey, but it's a completely different word, and it doesn't mean the same thing. I told you the definition of the word of Ephesians 6.1. It means to heed. It means to conform to a command or an authority. That word obey in verse 17 is not that definition. To heed or to conform to a command. This word actually means to convince with words. In other words, it has this connotation uh, that, and we'll talk about this, based on the fact that the word of God has been spoken unto you. A pastor convinces you through the word and through uh, the word of God that this is where, the way you ought to go. And it applies, there's definitely applications to it 
in the Christian life, but it doesn't mean do as I say to do because I've given you a command, like, a child, like children ought to obey their parents in the Lord. And so I want to talk about that and, and uh, explain that because the fact is pastors are not in authority over people in the same sense that parents are in authority over their children or in the same sense that bosses are in authority over their employees or in the same sense that a king is in authority over his subjects. That's not the way the Word of God teaches. And so uh, we are to submit and we are to yield, certainly, uh, but we're to submit and to yield based on the Word of God. And it could look something like this. Um, in, a, in a Christian's life, where, what, what, what issues, how should you obey them that have the rule over you? Uh, well, it's based on the Word of God. And some Christian might, you know what? pastor might come to somebody and say, Hey, you're a gossip and you're a busybody and you need to stop. And why do I say that? Because the Bible says... That busybody is something that is displeasing to the Lord, and these things ought not so to be. And I've convinced you, based on the Word of God, that what you're doing needs to stop. And so the obedience factor is not because I said to do it. The obedience factor is because the Word of God says to do it. Does that make sense? And so we'll, we'll, talk, about some, we'll talk about some of that, because there is misunderstanding and misuse of that and we're, I'm seeing that more and more in the days that we live in. Uh, the abuse of authority uh, rather than uh, the right attitude concerning it. And there are church members who continually buck the pastor even though the Word of God is being presented and even though the Word of God is, is, is being made clear, they'll still do it. And usually that's because there's a rebellious heart at the core and not a love for God and want to be obedient to the Lord. But, again, it's not a do as I say because I said it uh, kind of a, a situation. So maybe we'll, I'll finish this lesson with my class, and maybe I'll do a lesson here for the rest of the church regarding this, because there are delegated authorities that we are answerable to uh, as Christians, and we need to be balanced in our understanding of it and our teaching of the Word of God and our submission to and obedience to is based on as unto the Lord and a desire to love and to please Him. Amen? All right, I'll let you go. We'll do it with the class for today, uh, but we'll continue this maybe another time. All right, you're dismissed.